reading from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 24, verse 13. Now at the same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking to each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them, named Cleopas, asked him, Are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? What things, he asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed, before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the woman had said, but they did not see Jesus. He said to them, how foolish you are and how slow to believe all the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and, and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he, it were going farther. But they urged him strongly, stay with us, for it is nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were open, and they recognized him, and he, di and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us? Well, he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures. They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven and those with them assembled together and saying, it's true, the Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. Then the two told what had happened on their way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. Easter is a very beautifully celebrated day in our Christian calendar. We set it apart in many ways, and in many, in many, every single year we kind of set it apart, right? Yesterday there was a crew of people here at our church that were sweeping the hallways and decorating eggs and painting the doors that had been chipped away over the years and, and bringing flowers into the sanctuary. Many people find themselves attending church on Easter either dragged in or guilted in or craving to come in. We're all in a different place and it all belongs. Today is important. It's beautiful. It's miraculous. It's a day to be celebrated. But isn't every day a day to be celebrated? Isn't every Sunday just as miraculous as the others? Isn't every ordinary day just as miraculous as today because you are in it? You are a part of today. And we make today out almost set apart and different from any other day, like it's more holy than any other day. Yet here we find a story of Jesus risen from the dead, and he simply goes on a walk. If I was raised from the dead, you guys, you bet there would be some epic party. There would be lots of like, booze, ha, did I get you? There would be a lot of that. 
there would be a lot of celebrating, definitely. <laughs> I posted on Instagram, I'd probably start my own hashtag and just keep that going for a while, see if it trends. Man, I love this story because it's so ordinary. It's so Jesus. If you look at all of Jesus' encounters with people, these incredible encounters and miraculous moments of Jesus, it always happens in the most ordinary of spaces. Walking alongside the Sea of Galilee. Sitting by a well when the Samaritan woman appears. Eating around a table. Walking and traveling from town to town along the road. In every gospel story, each writer describes the risen Christ encountering people in their ordinary spaces doing ordinary things. And for these men who were walking those seven miles back home, there was something so ordinary about it to me. Not just the walk, but the why. We don't know anything about these men. We know that one of their names was Cleopas, we call him Cleo for short, but that's about as intimate as we can get with that guy because it's the only time his name is mentioned. We don't know how long they were followers of Jesus. We don't know how many times they hung out with Jesus before he was murdered. They may have known Jesus for a couple of years or maybe just a few months. Or maybe they were just a part of the crowd that went and sang Hosanna to him as he walked into Jerusalem on that donkey a week before. What we do know is that Jesus was someone they believed in. They believed that Jesus was who they could put their hope in. And they knew that something amazing was going to happen on the third day. So they must have been close enough to the disciples to hear about the women believing that Jesus was alive. But we know it's also the third day. They knew something amazing was supposed to happen the third day, but they're not in Jerusalem to see the day through. They left before the day was over. Did they give up? Were they tired of waiting? Were they disappointed that this amazing thing they were expecting to happen didn't come through the way that they were hoping it would? Honestly, I believe that they were just heartbroken. They were confused. They were exhausted from weeping throughout the night, and they just needed to go home. When something overwhelming or bleak comes your way, oftentimes it feels like we just need to go home. Like you just need something familiar in your life and known back in your life. You just need clean sheets and a hot shower and maybe even your mom telling you that it's all going to be okay. As most of you know, my husband and I have never been able to conceive children, and in the beginning of our marriage, it felt like a death sentence of sorts. And coming from a more conservative Christian understanding of scripture, women were saved through childbearing. And the number of kids that you had revealed the greater amount of faith that you must have had. And I remember this very dark season of our lives when we were still childless, and we had 13 failed adoptions in the course of nine months. And we met with and held and hoped for these children, every single one of them. Thirteen babies in less than a year. 
And every single one of them ended up with us having empty arms. And I kept going to church during that season because I needed to. I couldn't not go to church, but I certainly couldn't sing. I never took communion. I had little hope. And during that time, all I wanted to do was to go home. I wanted to give up. I wanted to leave the pain and uncertainty behind and have my mom just make me some pancakes and tell me it was going to be okay. If we had left for home, would that have made us faithless or weak? Were these two men on their seven-mile journey faithless in their walk home, unable to stay the course? Did they have absolutely zero faith in what God was doing since they left on the third day and they chose not to see the day through? I think this story is so profound because it's not about their lack of faith in the same way that it wasn't about me not being able to sing or not being able to take communion because I didn't have enough faith. It's not about how much faith you have in God. It's truly about how much faith God has in you. It's about the God who has all the faith in us. The God we can look back to the darkest moments of our lives and realize that God has been with us the whole time, loving us and caring for us, regardless of how much faith we may have had or may not have had. And this God, through Jesus Christ, shows up along the way that we are going and then speaks truth into our lives and gives us a new kind of perspective to the life and the path we are heading down and then allows us to change the direction of our path, to head back a different way. It's about Jesus Christ who makes his way into our lives during the most ordinary moments of walking along a road, of trying to make sense of the traumatic situation you're going through. And when we have zero faith in ourselves or in Jesus, Jesus has enough faith for the both of us until we can see a different perspective. When could these men see a new perspective? When were they able to recognize the weighty and miraculous importance of this ordinary moment? What we see in the scripture reading that Adrian gave us today was we saw that Jesus gathered around a dinner table with these two men. And he took bread, it says, and he gave thanks. And then it says that he broke it. He broke the bread to distribute to these ordinary disciples. And in that moment, they knew something radical and holy was taking place in that ordinary meal. Every week at church, we gather around this space with bread and with juice as a celebration of resurrection. Yeah, Easter is special, you guys. Obviously, you're all here. You're all dressed in pastel. You look amazing. (laughs) But really, it's a unique day that we set apart, but it's no more holy and no more important than any time the church family gathers together around the bread and the juice. And we might have a lot more flowers up here, But it's just an ordinary day that is pregnant with holy miracles all around us. When Jesus hung on that cross on that Friday, just before this seven-mile walk conversation took place, 
Jesus experienced this very slow and excruciating and painful aspect of crucifixion. Roman crucifixion was a public display of death. It rendered fear and obedience from anyone who had eyes to see because they would leave the bodies up there right outside the city gates for anyone who was going by to see it and to know that Rome was in charge. Crucifixion was the public display of the separation of body and blood. The body and blood of Christ was separated on the cross. And maybe this reality that those two men heard about with Jesus and had witnessed with other crucifixions, this reality of the separation of body and blood began to make sense when that bread was broken in front of them. Maybe they remembered hearing about Jesus saying how his body was broken for all of the people when he broke the bread. Maybe they remember hearing Jesus say how the wine was the blood of, uh, that was shed for the abundance of do-overs, a never-ending amount of do-overs in all of our lives. Maybe within this holy meal, this communion supper of bread and wine, we remember, when we remember Jesus' life and his death and his resurrection, maybe in those moments of consuming the bread and the juice, we make space for Christ's body and blood to become reconstructed and re-embodied in us. Perhaps when we consume the bread and the juice, we consume all that Christ represented as we are reunited with his life, his death, and his resurrection. And perhaps a resurrection begins to take place in our hearts and in our bodies and in our lives through this ordinary and holy meal. And within that re-embodiment of Christ in us, we become the love of Christ to the world. You then, as you consume and re-embody Christ within you, all that Christ represents, you bring the justice and the peace and the mercy of Christ into your classrooms and into your work situations and into your home life and into your conversations with your children around the dinner table. And perhaps we, like these men on their seven-mile walk, need eyes to see that those daily encounters with Christ are usually in the most ordinary of places. For these men, they had placed their hope in a third-day miraculous and extraordinary experience, but it never happened the way they hoped for. To their understanding, of course. And for me, I had placed my hope in a large family that was birthed from my own body, but it never happened the way I had hoped for. And sometimes we place our hope in the expectations we've dreamed up for ourselves. And when life doesn't go the way that we believed that it should have gone, then we believe that God's abandoned us or that maybe we just don't have enough faith. But I bet you could see hope doesn't always break forth from those extraordinary places, but it actually comes from those day-to-day ordinary spaces. I bet if you looked like those disciples walking along that seven-mile journey, if you really looked, you'd see that the hope of Christ, that Jesus Christ himself, has been with you the whole time. Hindsight gives us that perspective. 
And that is something that we get to rejoice in week after week after week, day after day. 